pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I know if it's up to Matthew Stafford, he's going to do everything he can to get out there on the field because he hates missing games. He would like to be out there on Sunday. Whichever team doesn't quit, I think that will be the team that wins. But with all these injuries and everything going on, man, you you just build on what you have. And the Vikings have a lot of things to, to be proud of this year. Hey Vikings fans, welcome to episode 74 of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. This is Chris Corso filling in for Cy Amundsen and I am joined as always by Vikings.com's Jay Nelson and Gabe Henderson is here today uh, to join the show. So what's going on guys? We we have one more for the road as Jay puts this episode, episode number 74. Obviously the Vikings have been eliminated from playoff contention, but... There is a game that needs to be played on Sunday in Detroit as we get set to take on the Lions. So uh, just what are your overall thoughts heading into this game so far, Jay? Yeah, last week it was the uh, sliver margin that we were potentially even a playoff team. And I told you, don't harsh on my mellow. I need to hold on to this one before the season's officially dead. And, you know, we all know what happened down in New Orleans. It was it was ugly and it was uh, disappointing. I'll, uh, I'll come to grips with it here in about another week or two, but uh it was one of those crazy, crazy seasons, and it was a lot of ups and downs, and I think that Saints game was just kind of the epitome of being able to slam that door shut on this team, and, and uh, you know, unfortunately for us, we're not going to make the playoffs, but um, we do have one more, and hopefully you can go out on a high note here uh, over in Detroit against the Lions, who are also having a really, really tough season as well, so hopefully, uh, you know, one of these two teams is going to get straight here this weekend. 52-33, to 33, a Christmas Day loss uh, to the New Orleans Saints for the Vikings officially kicked them out of the playoffs and Gabe I mean it's been a crazy year to say the least I don't even have the words for it man like I really don't like this is not what I was expecting and you know just coming into the first week of the season and going into U.S. Bank Stadium and just feeling the energy well the lack of energy thereof at U.S. Bank Stadium I think that was pretty much the uh, the story of the season and then just fast forward into um, week 17 where we are now it's like Man, like it's only been 16 weeks between now and then. I mean, we were just talking to Rosie earlier, and he would, you know, I, I watch. I've had the opportunity to watch every single game with him, like sitting right beside him, and we've had some crazy conversations, some crazy emotions from uh, Kirk Cousins throwing an interception to start off the second half against the uh, Tennessee Titans to Dalvin Cook running for 70 yards against the Detroit Lions a few weeks back. So it's been a, a, a whirlwind of emotions, but. There's a lot to be excited about heading into next year, and I'm glad to be a part of this team and be able to share some of these experiences with you guys. Absolutely. It's been great to work alongside you, Gabe, and as always, Jay. Looking ahead, obviously the 2020 season will come to a close this weekend in Detroit. So on this show, we got a loaded show for you. We're going to look back at what happened against New Orleans at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Team reporter Vikings.com's Eric Smith checks in with Lions team reporter Tori Petrie 
for the second time this season. And obviously we'll look uh, ahead to this game against the Lions, identify some storylines, talk about the Vikings draft position, and really look forward um, to our last post-mortem episode uh, following next game next week. So um, let's start it off with what happened quickly. We've covered this on a lot of the shows on the Vikings platforms, but just quickly recapping um, that tough loss against the Saints on Christmas Day. It's all summed up by what Alvin Kamara was able to do on the ground. I mean, the, the Saints as a team had 264 rushing yards total. Alvin, I mean, he had six touchdowns in this game, tying an NFL record, Gabe. So, uh, I, I mean, we covered this on the Vikings.com postgame report, but um, just quickly going over it again. The Vikings could not stop Alvin Kamara wherever he wanted to go on the field on Friday. Yeah, and then it was just one of those one of those games where everything went right for him, right? Starting off with the first drive of the game. He had a 40-yard rushing touchdown on that first drive of the game, 60 rushing yards on that first drive. Uh, he had 96 yards in the first half. I hate, like, I don't want to keep rubbing salt in the womb here, but he pretty much did whatever he wanted to. But I still think this Vikings team – like they were in the game, like with four minutes left in the third quarter. Like after everything that happened, after Alvin Kamara had rushed for four touchdowns, this Vikings team was down thirty-one to twenty-seven, and Drew Brees had a third down, and I think this was a turning point in the game. It was third down, and you know we go all-out blitz, and Drew Brees throws it up, tight end catches it, first down, forty yards, and the next play they score, and I feel like that was the turning point of that game on Friday. Like, I mean, I know the score doesn't really show that the Vikings were in this game, but if you really, you know, watched that game and saw what actually happened, like, yeah, you know, Alvin Kamara had a record-setting day, you know, 22 carries, 155 yards. With this Vikings defense being so depleted, you can just tell that they really had no answer down the stretch and which ultimately led to this Vikings team not having um, the game that they wanted against the New Orleans Saints. But you you look at it and say, hey, look, we know we need to build on, and you just go from there. When head coach Mike Zimmer addressed the media this Wednesday, just looking ahead to the Lions game, I mean, he threw in his press conference that, I mean, this defense has absolutely been depleted with injuries. Uh, we've talked about it on all of our shows. I mean, losing to Neil Hunter, Anthony Barr at the beginning of the season, letting some of the free agents go um, in the offseason before the season started. It, it's just been a combination of everything. Uh, the coronavirus, the the protocols that we're going through this year, uh, I think it all came to fruition in this game against the Saints. And uh, Jay threw a stat in here about this game, which I honestly totally didn't realize. The Saints never punted in this entire game. Seven touchdowns altogether, one field goal, two interceptions. So um, Drew Brees did enough, Jay. Uh, it didn't seem like he really could throw the ball down the field like he has in years past. Um, we've covered that a thousand times now. But um, what, what were your just overall takeaways of – of the way the Saints were able to move the ball on the Vikings. You know, we all know the running game is the thing that took over, that that dominated time possession. It dominated the ability for them to just keep running through first downs. I think they had 36 first downs total. I think 21 of those were rushing, which is an, an insane stat period. Um, I think they barely had any third downs. They would they had, what, nine third downs the entire game, which is still just nuts to think about. Um, but the thing for me with Drew is he did just enough. He had 311 yards passing, two picks, and – it was like you said before, Gabe, with the other play, it was he literally just had to hit a first down in order to then be able to start over with a fresh set of downs and just keep Kamara chugging through the lines. And, um, you know, I think 
we all knew that Drew Brees going into it wasn't a hundred percent. He still took some shots, but he was also smart enough to get rid of the ball in a couple of plays too, that he just, he knew he didn't have to make those kind of plays and stand in the pocket. So it just all around for the saints, it, it snowballed for the, against the Vikings and it worked well for them. And, um, you know, it was frustrating as a fan to sit there and watch at the same point. You're just sitting there kind of marveling at times going, man, these guys are rolling right now. To build on what Jay said, Drew Brees having a day was because of Alvin Kamara's day. The only reason why he was able to throw the ball is because we had to stack the box, which opened up more opportunities for the receivers downfield. So Drew Brees did not beat us. Um, the passing game did not beat us. We had two key interceptions uh, that led to seven points for this Vikings team. So, yeah, just picking Jay hit it right on the head. Looking at the offensive side of the ball, I think that's been a positive all year long. And it certainly was a positive in this game as well. I think my only problem with what happened on the offensive side of the ball is we were playing from behind for most of the game. And it was really tough for Kirk Cousins to to get a guy like Justin Jefferson involved in this game. That, that Those are the only things that stood out to me that really uh, were negative from the offensive side of the ball. Looking at Cousins' stats, he threw for three touchdowns, 291 passing yards through the air, 27 of 41, and was only sacked two times in this game uh, compared to the last few games where he was sacked six or seven times. So um, the Vikings were able to move the ball a little bit on the ground with Dalvin Cook with 73 rushing yards and that touchdown early in the game. Um, but the big positive for me, Jay, was the way that Tyler Conklin and Irv Smith, they just continue to get involved in this Vikings offense. And for me, looking at Irv Smith, you start to say, wow, man, this guy has had five touchdowns in the past five games. Yeah, the last three weeks, that that tandem of, of Conklin and, and Smith have definitely stepped up and been hitting those touchdowns. And, you know, I think part of that, too, is because guys like Thielen and Jefferson are getting much more uh, uh, double teams uh, out in the field, and it's leaving those guys up the seam and leaving them across the middle one-on-one. And uh, the best b- part is the fact that with Rudolph having been out and having been injured and, and missing some time here, Irvin and Tyler, who aren't necessarily the guys that defensively they're going to sit there and say, we got to spy these guys because they're going to kill us. They have been making teams pay. So that is actually a, a positive thing that has happened in development here, especially late in the season, that uh, we'll see what kind of uh, implications that has coming up for the 2021 season with those guys. Because if, if they keep producing like this, they're going to see more of an increased role in this offense. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. I think when you look at the last uh, three games that those guys have been in uh, in Kyle Rudolph's absence. You look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game combined, nine catches, 103 yards last week, uh, 10 catches, 84 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, and then against Chicago, six catches, 94 yards and a touchdown. I think we have seen a lot of promise between uh, those two tight ends. I think we all know that the mismatch that Ursula Jr. provides when he's on the field, but having another tight end who can stretch the field and Tyler Conklin, in which we all didn't know that was what he could do. Like we were like, all right, well, Tyler Conklin he has a catch, and I think what the Bears game when he had that twenty yard catch for a touchdown, he had that you know the twenty yards after catch. I was like, oh, all right, well, this guy can ball. Like this guy can. I mean, he can take some hits. He can block. He can do everything you need him to do. So, like you said, of course, so just a lot of young guys that showed a lot of promise this year that can continue uh, to bring hope to this Minnesota Vikings fan base. 
Subscribe to the official YouTube channel of the Minnesota Vikings to get all the latest video content from the Vikings Entertainment Network. Watch segments from TV shows such as Vikings Game Plan and Vikings Connected. Catch original digital programming like The Voyage and Vikings Post Game Live. Hear from players and coaches, plus more. Visit vikings.com slash YouTube to subscribe today. All right, we're going to get into the breakdown of the game at Week 17 against the Detroit Lions. But first, join wide receiver Adam Thielen and the Salvation Army in providing food, shelter, and care for our neighbors in need. Text SKULL to 24365 to donate today. All right, it's on to the Week 17 breakdown. The Vikings will head to Ford Field to take on the Detroit Lions a team they saw earlier in the season and defeated at home at U.S. Bank Stadium. Obviously, this game is going to have a lot less suspense compared to that game. Uh, there's a lot of injuries on both sides of the ball as the first injury reports came out this week on Wednesday for both teams. And it looks like Matt Stafford, who suffered an injury a few weeks back, um, he didn't play last week in a game where the Lions were absolutely crushed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. I think it, they won by over 40 points in that game. So, Gabe, what are you expecting overall in this game? I mean, you're going to have both teams probably resting some starters. Um, we know that uh, on Wednesday the Vikings announced the tragic passing of Dalvin Cook's father at the age of 46 year, years old. Just a tragic story, and Dalvin will not be able to play in this in this last game of the season. But um, obviously the Vikings are, are, are behind him, and, and he's back with his family in the in the uh, city of Miami. So, um, Gabe, just what are your, your overall storylines heading into a game where you might even want to think about some draft position moving forward for the Vikings? Yeah, uh, first and foremost, rest in peace to Dalvin's dad, James Cook, and we just knowing – being a Florida State fan growing up and seeing Dalvin play at Florida State, we I knew how much his dad meant to him. But moving on to this game, you know, Dalvin's not playing. Um, I had the opportunity to watch practice today, and I'm not going to name names, but there are a lot of new faces getting reps today with the ones, twos, and some with the threes also. So uh, just, just seeing that today, I, I would expect a lot of guys to get some meaningful snaps this upcoming game. I, I think when it comes to this rivalry, I think the Vikings should have the upper edge, just you know, winning eight out of the last eleven games, including the last six. Um, but you you just never know when you have so many backups and guys who don't play playing a game. But one thing, just picking off of our interview with Rosen, two minutes after this game is over, no one will be thinking about this Vikings Lions game. Whoever won, whoever lost, like I, I think you 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 look ahead to what what you can build on heading into next season. And Corso, stop me if I'm going too far, but I was, we were just talking off camera and the Vikings right now, I mean, they're going, they're going to try to win this game, but win, lose or draw, if they lose, they can get as far up as the ninth overall draft pick. And if they win, they can fall to the 15th draft pick. So between nine and 15, that, that is the area where the Vikings will be in the 2021 draft. And Rick Spielman, he he knows, and he wants to win. But at the same time, I, I think those guys in the front office who aren't calling plays, th- th- they are watching that draft board as um, these games are starting to come down the final stretch um, after 12 p.m. Central Time on Sunday. 
teams trade like major quality players to move up <laughs> that many spots in the draft. So um, it's got to be on the minds of, of certain people. And, and I mean, just looking at the Vikings injury report, obviously um, Dalvin Cook did not practice on Wednesday. And, and it was it was really good to see some of the players who addressed the media um, just give their support to Dalvin and Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins to name a few. Um, but looking at the rest of the team's roster on the injury report, Dan Bailey didn't practice. Um, cornerbacks Chris Jones and Cameron Dantzler didn't practice. Um, Afadio Denebo, Eric Kendricks, and Jalen Holmes all did not practice in this game. So those are some quality names um, on the on the Vikings injury report on Wednesday and, and definitely something to track if you're looking at some of the players who will sit out um, in this game, there's not much that you really want to risk injury-wise for some of the players that you really see futures for um, this season. And 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 one other note is the fact that Riley Reef um, went on the injured slash COVID reserve list today. But Jay, uh, what are your expectations for the Lions in this game? Do you think that they're gonna like give us their all and and try to win this game because they're in a very similar situation that that we're in? I think much like our team, they are in a similar situation where they do have a lot of injuries. They had seven defenders that are on IR this year, so they've been definitely playing with the depleted roster, especially defensively. As chaotic as our season has been for a lot of reasons, they've gone through almost even more. You know, they they fired their GM, they they dropped Matt Patricia as the head coach, Daryl Bevel takes over as the head coach, but then he ends up having to go on the COVID list, and he was trying to coach the team last week remotely. So like the Lions have been going through a similar thing. And here's the thing for me, when it comes to this time of year, even though you're out of it, all those players that are getting a, a taste and a crack at an actual NFL game, they're getting that valuable reps and valuable uh, game speed tape to put out there. They might be putting that out for their team that they're on right now, but they might also be putting that out for any other GM or coach or somebody else that's around the league that's going to be looking for some talent in the offseason to at least give them a shot. Or, or you know, some of these guys are playing for big name free agent money too. So I, I think across the board, you're still going to get a, a solid effort. It just comes down to who's got more playmakers. And, you know, to be honest with you, you're going to Detroit. How checked out have they been for the last month? I'm not quite sure. I mean, we saw them give up 47 to seven loss to Tampa when Tampa definitely wanted to make a statement. And, and, you know, it's not like Detroit just walked out there and said, yeah, let's get our brains beat in today. Like to me, those Lions players, they're trying. And here's the thing for them. What are the Lions going to be quarterback wise this week? Because yeah, Stafford was injured, but much like Kirk Cousins, Stafford was also talking about how any chance he gets, he's going out on that field if they let him. Well, if that happens and he's injured, you know, does he take more of an injury? And if they do decide to shut him down this week and just tell him it's not worth it, we all assume it would be Chase Daniel. But then last week, they also brought in David Blau at the end of the game, too. So if it's kind of a weird thing where it doesn't really mean much to either team except for a third or fourth place division seating. And, and I to me, it's almost going to be like a they're going to play really, really hard, but it's almost going to be like a, a third or fourth preseason game where these guys are trying to you know, put their best foot forward and, and end the year on a solid note. So across the board, it's going to be a really weird end of the, the season, and, and we'll see what team actually wants it more. Well, talk about a consummate pro. One thing that I always have to give credit to is Matthew Stafford, man, because I feel like he's had so many injuries throughout his career, 
And him saying that he wants to play if cleared in a game that is absolutely meaningless for this team. I feel like it's happened so many times in this guy's career. And I'm looking at him on the injury report. He's listed with a rib and a right thumb um, after not practicing on Wednesday. So uh, just props to Matt Stafford, who has taken quite the amount of hits in his career as the Detroit Lions quarterback. So um, just rounding out the injury report, uh, Kenny Galladay, uh, Jamie Collins and Danny Amendola and Joe Dahl, the guard, all did not practice on Wednesday. So, Gabe, I, I think it's going to be a lot of the same with this Lions team um, with the starters that decide to play and that are asked to play by the coaching staff in this game. Yeah, this will this will be a game of who has the better backups. I mean, this game means a lot to those guys that are trying to put things on film, but as far as, like, implications nobody is really going to care about the final score of this game uh, outside of the team so it, it really comes down to all right who has the better backups who can we use for our team next year okay all right well man Jeff Gladney had a really good game he he stepped up this year so I think this game will be what the NFL is about what have you done for me lately and what have you done for me lately in, in the last game of the season and which whichever team doesn't quit, I think that will be the team that wins. But with all these injuries and everything going on, man, you you just hope the starters that do play, you just hope they stay healthy. And from there, you, you just build on what you have. And the Vikings have a lot of things to, to be to be proud of this year. One storyline that you always follow when this guy is playing against the Vikings is Adrian Peterson, who is now a member of the Lions. I mean, this is the second time He'll be playing the Vikings this season, but it's always of note. I mean, I'm sure this guy wants to have a great game against his former team and hopefully try to put something on film that he continues to be able to play in this league for who knows how many years now, Jay. So uh, just what are your overall impressions of, of, of the Vikings going against Adrian and, and the young DeAndre Swift that is behind him as well in this Lions backfield? You know, lately in the season, DeAndre Swift has taken a little bit more of a focal point in this offense. Adrian's been kind of your bruiser back where DeAndre's done a lot more within the receiving game as well. Um, DeAndre's got seven rushing touchdowns this year and two receiving touchdowns. Peterson's got six rushing touchdowns. And um, I think they're probably going to try to, again, get DeAndre some some touches. But at the same point, if it gets towards the end of the game and it's out of hand, they'll probably just hand the ball to Adrian since they want to keep DeAndre uh, fresh and clean for the future. Looking at some of the receivers, it's been an injury-plagued season for Kenny Galladay, the number one target for Matt Stafford for most of the time that the Vikings have played the Lions as of late. Uh, we, we will see if he's able to suit up, but it's Marvin Jones Jr., TJ Hawkinson, uh, Danny Amendola, who's also on the injury report. So I, I don't know if they're going to have many options um, for targets in this game. We might see a lot of Adrian Peterson running the football, but um, I want to look at their defense, Gabe, because when you look at this Lions defense, we touched on some of the injuries they've had this season, but they are about 32nd through 29th in every single category on the defensive side of the ball. Jay has the, the, the notes here on, on our little um, outline here. 32nd in points, 32nd in average points, 31st in yards allowed, 31st in average yards allowed, 30th in passing yards allowed, and 29th in rushing yards allowed. So I don't know if you've seen a lot of, of this Lions defense this year, Gabe, but just what are your overall impressions of, of this defense that seems to be beaten up at this point in the season? 
I, I really don't know, man. I really don't know what else to say about this Lions defense other than, you know, they're just not that great. And we should, we should, like, we should have a field day against them. I mean, if you, if you look at the last time we played them, we had a field that was arguably our best offensive game of the season. So in hindsight, you would expect a guy like Mike Boone or Alexander Madison to, to run for over a hundred yards or, you know, Kirk Cousins when he's in or Sean Mayen if he gets in this upcoming Sunday to, to, you know, have a pretty decent game. I don't think they're, this Lions defense does anything to scare you or say, hey, we need to watch out for this guy. I mean, they, they have a, you know, two young bright corners. I mean, it's Jeff Okuda, like he, he's a, a guy that you build your defense around. But at the same time, this upcoming Sunday, January the 3rd, I think this Vikings offense can have their, their way with uh, this Lions defense. Looking back at that Week 9 game when the Vikings played at U.S. Bank Stadium, Dalvin Cook had 206 rushing yards and two touchdowns. So my thing that I'm watching, I'm not watching the scoreboard. I'm watching a lot of young players in this game. I want to see a very impressive running game out of Alexander Madison, um, who's been kind of banged up this year uh, with an illness and having to get uh, a pretty quick surgery and, and getting back on the field. Um, in, on the practice field, but I want to see him get back in this game, get in the flow of an, of an NFL game, and really put something on tape uh, before this season's over, Jay. So that's my storyline. Who's the player that you're going to be watching in this game? I think the biggest thing for me is is that if your offensive line can give Kirk time and you get the the ability, I want to see what the heck happens with that that receiving game, not only from our normal receivers, you know, the the storyline of does Adam Thielen play? Do you take a chance on him potentially getting injured? Um, but more than that, let's see what happens with these tight ends. You know, they've been rolling for the last three weeks. If you can keep moving the sticks on first down, controlling the clock, and getting Irv and, and Conklin in there now, especially with uh, Rudolph officially on IR for the rest of the season, Let's keep those guys rolling and see what you have moving in because, honestly, that would mean then for the last quarter of the season, what you saw was an increased set of targets for them. And more than that, what you saw was them actually produce and and become a two-headed monster that was getting some touchdowns. So if you can keep those guys moving and potentially get them going in the red zone again, just end it on a high note here for this offense and just know that, yeah, you're a running team, but you've definitely got some weapons that you can hit through the air and, and uh, that'll just – make you feel good moving forward for next season. Yeah, I just building on what Jay said. I mean, Ersmer Jr. had two catches for two touchdowns the last time he played the Lions. Amir Abdullah had one catch for one touchdown. So I think it's more about getting the other guys involved, seeing what they can do, getting some other playmakers to the ball. Because like I said in the beginning, you, you want to make sure a majority of the guys, if not all, come out of this game healthy. Make sure you call up plays to get guys uh, the ball in space. And from there... Uh, you just let you just let the game take care of itself. I mean, this is just one of those times where you get to see who, who's going to step up to the occasion where their number's called. So I'm excited to see what you know Amir Abdullah, Ursula Jr., those guys will be able to do when their number is called this upcoming Sunday. The Voyage delivers unprecedented access to fans who will be able to get inside the office of Coach Mike Zimmer and have an insider's look and listen during his talks with the team. Viewers also hear directly from current Vikings who will be writing outcomes of games through their play on the field. Watch bi-weekly during the NFL season on the Vikings digital and social channels, including Vikings.com, the Vikings mobile app, Vikings Now, the team's connected TV app, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Watch today and find out more at vikings.com slash voyage.
It's game day any day. Play the new Vikings scratch game from the Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say, I'm in. Get more details at mnlottery.com. All right, well, Eric Smith had a chance to sit down with Tori Petrie of the Detroit Lions, so we'll let Eric take it away. I'm Viking team reporter Eric Smith, and I'm now joined by Tori Petrie of the Detroit Lions as we look ahead to the season finale, Week 17, Vikings at Lions. Tori, thanks for hopping on today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's crazy that this weird and wild 2020 season is actually coming to a close, at least for some of us. It's been quite the roller coaster for for both teams this year. And, you know, week 17 Sunday will be the the season finale. I wanted to ask you as we start off about Daryl Bevel, who was a familiar name to Vikings fans. He was obviously the team's offensive coordinator here from 2006 to 2010. You know, he's kind of had some tough circumstances of late. He wasn't able to coach last week in week 16, but just kind of overall, you know, how has he done being the interim head coach and is he a candidate for the full-time head coaching role? Yeah, I mean, Daryl Bevel has stepped in and done a fantastic job with what he had to work with. Obviously, this last week was so unfortunate because of just the way things shook out and having been flexed to that Saturday game and then having all the COVID exposures on the coaching staff and all of them continued to test negative. They just couldn't get back in the building or be on the sidelines. So, you know, he described it as feeling helpless. There was really nothing he could do. And, you know, that whole coaching staff did the best they could do in those circumstances. It just was a totally difficult circumstance to deal with. But Bevel has stepped in, and I think the biggest thing that he brought this team when he stepped in was energy. And that was something that he really wanted to infuse this team with and say, hey, we can have a good time when we're at practice and in the building, but we can also work hard. And those two things can go together, and that's something that he's really emphasized as he's taken over. Now, obviously, those games that he's played haven't gone according to plan. Uh, The Lions have just been so injured on defense, and it was a defense that was struggling already and you add those injuries on top of it you know they've just been in a really tough spot and then you add the coaching quarantine on top of that (laughs) to say this season has had a lot of adversity for the Lions would be an understatement Um, so you know he's done the best that he could with those circumstances and you know Rodwood said that he was under consideration they'd see how these uh, final few games of the season went and I don't think he's done anything incorrectly or or done anything uh, you know poorly as far as things have gone with the handling of taking over as the interim head coach, it would probably just be a matter of whether this uh, coaching staff or whether this front office staff wants to start over fresh because, you know, they, they really did a little bit of a house cleaning earlier this season. So we'll see if they just kind of want to start fresh after the season's over. You mentioned injuries on defense uh, that kind of showed up against Tampa Bay, but Matt Stafford also left that game with an injury and and he's the guy who who played through a, a bunch of injuries throughout his career What's uh, his status this week and and who would be in line to play if he can't play in the season finale? Well, as of you and I talking right now, and we know how quickly the NFL news cycle can change, as of you and I talking, they're just kind of monitoring him as the week goes on. And they've said that it just depends on how he is feeling. Uh, I know if it's up to Matthew Stafford, he's going to do everything he can to get out there on the field because he hates missing games. He wants to be out there on the field. You know, he talked about it. Uh, a couple weeks ago when he first played that game against the Titans where he, you know, was playing after having the, you know, injured rib. And he said, Hey, 
the off season is for resting and recovering and that's what you do in the off season. But my guys are going out there and fighting and I want to be alongside them. And that's the kind of mindset that he brings to the table. So I know if it is up to him, he would like to be out there on Sunday. We'll see what ends up happening. Uh, maybe won't have an answer until a little bit later in the week, but if he doesn't go, it will be interesting to see what the Lions do because this last game after he went down, they actually played two different quarterbacks after Stafford went down. They played Chase Daniel for a little bit. And then later on in the game, they went to David Blau, who's the younger guy who got a little bit of action last year when Stafford was injured. Uh, but Chase Daniel was the free agent that they signed to be a safety net in case Stafford were to go down. So I would think that they would probably start with Chase Daniel and see how that goes. But it might be a situation where they do get David Blau in there a little bit to get him more game experience and, you know, to develop him a little bit more as a backup quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a little of both of them if Stafford doesn't go. If we stick with the Lions offense, who, who's a name on that side of the ball that has been a bright spot this season and someone who is primed to really be a focal point of the offense in 2021 and beyond? So a couple of bright spots. I think the easiest ones are those Pro Bowl players for the Lions. I mean, TJ Hawkinson has had a fantastic year, well-deserved Pro Bowl bid for him. This is his second year at tight end for the Lions, and he has been a total bright spot on that offense. Uh, almost 700 yards with a game left to play. That's pretty good for a tight end. You know, he, he's been really involved in this offense and a really big target for Matthew Stafford, especially in the red zone. He's second on the team with uh, touchdowns so far this season, second only to Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, another right spot would be Frank Ragnow, who is that uh, center from the state of Minnesota. And, you know, he, he really has had a fantastic year, played so, so well, uh, you know, has, has just been in the conversation as far as best centers around the league this year. Unfortunately, he had a throat injury, which uh, that just sounds absolutely brutal to me. Uh, hopefully he's uh, healing up from that. Uh, we don't know whether he's going to go in this finale or not, but definitely uh, wishing him well as he recovers from that. But, you know, he's just been fantastic for the Lions this season. So I would say Frank Ragnow, TJ Hawkinson, bright spots uh, for this Lions offense. And someone to watch for the future, yes, that as well, DeAndre Swift. The rookie running back has really stepped in and done a fantastic job for the Lions. They kind of did a running back by committee approach for the most part all season, but especially early on, they were really given a lot more play to Adrian Peterson. But as DeAndre Swift came along throughout the season, they kind of shifted more towards him. It was, you know, the game where the Lions played Washington football team where they started DeAndre and he went off. He had a fantastic game. Unfortunately, ended up getting a concussion the following week. Uh, and didn't didn't play for a few games after that. So it was a bummer to see you know him finally start to come on and then have to get sidelined for a little bit. But even as he's gotten back in there, we've still seen really good stuff from him. He has a, a fantastic ability to cut on a dime, get up field. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, and I think he's going to be a big part of the Lions offense going forward. Kind of the same question, but on the defensive side of the ball, how about a, a bright spot in 2020 and then someone – that fans can kind of be excited about in 2021? Well, the bright spot on defense would be Romeo Aquara. Uh, that defensive end, you know, he, he had a breakout season a couple years ago and was really good, but you're kind of waiting to see if he could put, the, put up those numbers again, and he has this year. He's leading the Lions in terms of sacks. He has been their best pass rusher this season. Now, a lot of the season, Trey Flowers has not been able to play, and so he's putting up those kinds of numbers without Trey Flowers drawing attention away from him. You know, he is the Lions' best pass rusher who's getting the most attention on that defensive line, and yet he's still able to put up those kinds.
kinds of numbers. I mean, he showed his athleticism a couple of weeks ago uh, where he was able to get a safety and he just hurdles the guy and gets into the backfield and, and takes the quarterback down for a safety. So, you know, Romeo Quara has really, really been good uh, for the Lions this season. Another guy to keep an eye on is probably uh, an underrated name. Everybody knows Jeff Okuda. You know, you take him at number three. He spent most much of the season injured. So, you know, you hope he can get back out there in 2021. But I think another underrated name would be John Pinnacini along the defensive line. You know, he was taken late in the draft, uh, but he is, you know, an interior defensive lineman. And he has been really important for this Lions defensive line, especially when it comes to uh, trying to stop the run. Danny Shelton, one of their big free agent signings on the defensive line, went down this season and hasn't been able to play. And John Penasini, that rookie, has stepped in and done a really good job. So I would say he's probably another one to keep an eye on for the future. Last question before we get you out of here. How do you kind of expect the Lions will approach this season finale? Are, are younger players going to play? What sort of the, the vibe you get in, in Week 17? Yeah, this is definitely an interesting Week 17 game for both of these teams because it doesn't mean anything for the postseason for either team, right? So I think that we are going to see a little bit more of those younger players playing, giving those guys a chance to, to see what they can do, put some good stuff on tape. That's what these Week 17 games are about. So I think for fans, the thing to watch is individual performances, right? You're watching to see who sticks out, who makes really good plays, who's kind of making a final statement for themselves heading into the offseason, whether it be uh, guys who are heading into free agency. I mean, the Lions have several key guys who are heading into free agency, including Romeo Okwara, who I mentioned along the defensive line, Jamal Agnew, who is their uh, you know return man, and he's been fantastic. He was the reason the Lions didn't get shut out last week uh, you know, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because he had a punt return touchdown. Um, and even kicker Matt Prater. So guys like that, this is, you know, uh, a, a game for them to show what they can do as they head into free agency, but also young guys as well. So I think we'll see a lot of that, but I do know that it is still important for this team to compete on Sunday. This is by no means a game where they're just like, okay, let's just, you know, throw some young guys out there and see what happens. Uh, a lot of them have, have talked about kind of the same thing that we saw that J.J. Watt video go viral for, where J.J. Watt was talking about how, hey, we play this game uh, to compete. We don't play it to just go out there and, and give half effort. And, you know, we got to show up for each other. We got to show up for the fans. And they have echoed much of that same mindset this week. Tori, we always appreciate your time, and I'm sure we'll catch up during the offseason. Eric, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. All right, well, thanks again to Eric and Tori for checking in on what is the final game of the Minnesota Vikings season. I know there's not as many storylines as us and Vikings fans would like, but certainly a lot to look forward to um, in the NFL playoff picture this week. For all you Vikings fans who want to sit down and watch some NFL Red Zone and catch up on all the games that are going on this week, uh, Jay has some notes here looking at what is going on for teams in playoff contention. And seven teams had the ability to clinch a playoff spot last weekend. And guess what, Jay? None of those teams were able to do that. <laughs> Nobody wanted to grab the brass ring, apparently. They wanted to leave all the drama to Week 17. So now we're literally coming down to the, the wire here, and we'll see which of these horses actually runs across the wire and uh, ekes this thing out here. So it ought to be an interesting weekend, to say the least. The AFC has eight teams fighting for the final seven remaining playoff spots. But just kind of looking at the teams that are fighting for those last spots in the AFC, Gabe, kind of just give Vikings fans a, a, a recap of what to watch this week 
in the NFL's slate of games. The Titans, Dolphins, Ravens, Browns, Colts, all fighting for a spot in the playoffs. More importantly, the Browns and the Colts. Like, I've always, I think since week two, like, I've been on record saying the Colts are the best defense in the NFL. Granted, they have had a few injuries, but at 10-5, and five, and you're outside looking in at the playoffs? Like, that, that is crazy to think, and then... Uh, our friend, I'll say you guys' as friends since I haven't met him, Kevin Stefanski and the Browns, like, they, they were the most likable team in the NFL a couple of weeks ago, and they're a seven seed. So, dude, this, this is, this week is going to be crazy. I think if you are a Vikings fan, I think you just cheer for your favorite players and hope those guys get in. I mean, the Dolphins have been, I mean, they're pretty much a lock right now at the five seed. So, other than the Chiefs, like it's pretty much up in the air. I mean, the Bills, the Steelers, the Steelers, we thought they were going to be the, the best team in the NFL a few weeks ago, but losing three in a row, it's like, all right, are, are they really here to stay or is this just a, a fluke team? So it will be an interesting week 17. It's pretty crazy. The Cleveland Browns just a few weeks ago were fighting for that AFC North title, um, kind of taking advantage of some of the losses that the Steelers have had as of late. Uh, moving over to the NFC there's a lot to watch um, this week, Jay. I mean, we know the Vikings are out. We know that the Bears and the Arizona Cardinals are fighting for that last spot. And guess what? The Bears are playing Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, Jay. If you're the Packers right now, you're looking at it too, saying there's a very good chance that if the Bears do win this and if the Packers slip out of that number one seed position, and drop down to number two, there's a very good chance they could actually be playing Chicago again in the first round of the playoffs in that wild card weekend. So if I'm the Packers, you want to put one on the Bears and just say, like, slap them away saying, we're not going to worry about you. And if you're the Bears and the Packers, you are fighting like crazy because the Bears are fighting for their lives just to get in. And the Packers are fighting to get that by round of wild card weekend. So that ought to be an actually a really, really good game this weekend. The Packers can clinch the number one seed if they beat the Chicago Bears or the Seahawks lose um, their game this week. The Saints and the Seahawks are 11-4 and and are chasing Green Bay for the number one through number three seeds. Um, the winner of the terrible NFC East is most likely going to be the four seed, which just really makes me upset, Gabe, as a former Washington football team uh, alum that we have here on the, on the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I mean, are you rooting for your old team here? Or, I mean, it's just, I cannot believe that. Not at all. I'm, I'm cheering for Dallas here simply because they beat us. So if Dallas gets in, and Dallas needs help because Dallas has to beat uh, the New York Giants, and then the Washington football team, being the Washington football team, has to lose to the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Washington football team just being themselves, I, I literally said this three weeks ago. I said they will find a way to beat themselves and here they are, week seventeen, on the verge of doing so. So, I got I got Dallas winning that because that makes our schedule look like it was a little bit tougher. And that Dallas game wasn't too much of a fluke, um, but just it's been ridiculous that a six six win team can be a four seed. Like, have we seen that before? Uh, I think you probably have been at least seven wins in order to at least win a conference, but or win a division. I, I just. I, I look at this NFC East and, and there's been discussion for years to say, well, maybe they should recede them given 
their their uh records and everything and and i also look at it and say like i get it you know you're giving these division winners uh some something to play for even though they might have an absolute terrible record but i think in the past the worst i could really remember was eight and eight and i remember even like the new york giants the one year they got in as a six seed and everyone was complaining saying why is an eight and eight team getting into the playoff run and then they actually ran it and, and beat the patriots in the super bowl so this is always why coaches and teams say just get in and get it you know chip chair chance kind of a thing and the the hardest part for me is you look at at the the other teams like the Cardinals and you say yeah you deserve to be in there but at the same point that's not how the game is played so whoever's in the NFC East three of the four teams still have a shot so uh, buckle up and good luck I, I still have a lot of friends that work in Washington so I, I hope their season gets extended but I just can't see it happening and like we've lost to six playoff teams if the Cowboys make it so I think that's a that's a good way to look at it by saying hey I'm going to cheer for the Cowboys. And hope they get in because it makes us look like we had a more tough schedule than we than a lot of people say we did. One of those playoff teams that we lost to was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a game that pretty much um, sealed the fate for the Vikings this season. So they're the number five seed if they find a way to beat the Atlanta Falcons um, this coming week. And then six and seven, they're up for grabs. You have the the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, you have who are playing the Arizona Cardinals, who are also fighting for a big time win to get in the playoffs. Jared Goff is out with a broken thumb in that game, and Cooper Cup is on the COVID list currently. So some storylines to fo- follow there. But um, the Chicago Bears are currently the, the number seven seed, as we noted before. So the Cardinals are in. If they beat the Rams, they take that spot um, from the Bears. But it's just. It's it's crazy the way this thing worked out with that extra that extra team in the playoffs, man. I I don't even know if they want to keep that going forward. I'm cool with it. I think as many teams that are that are still in playoff contention, the better. But uh, it's definitely been a fun thing to watch, Jay. Just having that extra playoff uh, spot in this year's playoffs. Personally, I think it's actually kind of cool. I think it's it look at look at the the parity and the way things have gone. You currently have four teams fighting for three spots in the AFC, and now you've still got three teams alive here trying to grab that seven spot. And think about how hard right now the number one seeds are fighting just to keep them. You know that that is a that is a huge motivating factor. And in years past, if you had a one or a two seed locked up, you would kind of coast and rest your starters and all that. None of that's happening this year. You know the Packers got to want to beat the Bears, and the Bears have to get in. So again. If there was no seven seed sitting there, Chicago wouldn't even have a chance in it. They'd probably be similar to, to resting starters, et cetera. But I I like it. I think it's for me at this point, we were kind of curious if it was going to really mean anything or not. And across the board, 100%, it has absolutely meant something this year. So I have a hard time believing they'll get rid of it, but you never know with uh, off-season negotiations what will happen. But um, I, I like it, and uh, hopefully it's here for, here to stay on my end. Well, hopefully Vikings fans can enjoy a full slate of games, including the last game of the season against the Detroit Lions. It's the last week of our radio shows of the season. Um, That means we had under center with Kirk Cousins at the beginning of the week, where Kirk really broke down the season, how he feels heading into the game against the Lions, and we hear some of the best sounds of the week. Um, You can hear that every Tuesday night during the regular season on KFAN. Also can catch that on the Vikings Podcast Network and look all around Vikings platforms um, for the video segments of that show. Also, tune into the Vikings Post Game Live 
every week, 15 minutes after each game from inside U.S. Bank Stadium. Get a breakdown of the game, including highlights, stats, analysis, and more um, from Mark Rose and Ben Lieber, Pete Bursich, um, and all the members of the Vikings Entertainment Network. Tune in on Vikings.com, the Vikings app, and the Vikings social media platforms. Also, finally, check out the last radio show of the week from the Vikings Entertainment Network. It's the Vikings Vantage, hosted by myself and Vikings.com's Gabe Henderson. We were joined by the best guy in the business, Mark Rosen, who was able to break down the Vikings season, give us his thoughts on Justin Jefferson, and more um, awesome conversation with Gabe and myself and Mark Rosen. You can catch that at 6.30 p.m. Um, on KFAN, so make sure to check that out. All right, guys, wrapping up the show. Gabe, I'll go to you first. Do you have any final thoughts wrapping up this episode of the Minnesota Vikings podcast? I think the only thing I can say is everyone stay healthy, man, like on the field and people off the field. Um, happy New Year, everyone. Happy Holidays. And looking forward to next year. Thank everybody for uh, just tuning in to all of our content this year. This has been an amazing first year. Probably could have been a little better if we made the playoffs, but I'll take the punches and roll with them. So it's been a great year. Thanks, Gabe. What about you, Jay? Put on a good show, and let's see what you guys got. This is your opportunity. It's week 17, and you're playing the Detroit Lions team who's in a similar boat. So both these teams are fighting to see who's going to end up as the uh, third team in the division. Go from there and, and – um, get out healthy, put on a good show, put up some points and uh, finish this thing right. And just at least have a good taste in your mouth going into the off season. Um, it's the final game of the 2020 season. The last games have certainly been a disappointment. The last three games specifically, but um, you'd love to end the season off on a high note, seeing some of our young players and rookies have a chance to shine in this game. Um, that'll do it for this episode of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. Episode number 74. We will be back next week to put a bow and tie on the season and we all hope you guys have a happy and healthy new year's eve and new year's day and we will see you next week if you only have a 401k you're not getting the most for retirement wait what add a Robinhood ira on top then they'll boost it by three percent you can do that and if you transfer in any retirement account you get three percent on top of that is there a limit to the match no limit Robinhood gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any ira on the market sign up for Robinhood gold at robinhood.com slash boost by april 30th subscription fees apply investing involves risk three percent match requires gold for one year from first match must keep ira for five years match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions Robinhood financial llc member sipc